You seek truth, traveler. You will find none here. What you really seek is justice. But you will find it blind and twisted by those who wield it like a blade to cause harm. Spare a thought for those cut down at the edge of this blade, for they cry out, unheard and forgotten. For it is the duty of the living to seek the justice People died on July the 6th, 1973. Those four people were the members of the Black Country 3. It's shocking. We are all locked power fist. Well, three out of the four. Three out of the five, in fact. And we are here to extend some fists of justice for those four lads. Definitely. Taken in their prime, there was... Yeah, we will never know the influence they would have had on the music scene uh, were they not so cruelly snatched away from us. So, joining me, Alan Bradstock, are two of my bandmates from yesteryear, the wonderful six-string wizard that is Brian Madden. Thank you very much, and I am never late. I play my solo precisely when I mean to. Well, you, your timing was never great, to be fair. Well, but, that's uh, your department, you. I'm, I'm, you're... Let's, let's, not, let's not draw too much attention to timing, shall we, Clive? Let's be honest here. And yeah. the aforementioned wonder of the base, Clive Howlin Gale. Hello there. Yes, nice to be back. Yes, justice indeed. That's what we're all about. So... And yeah. chromatic scales, but that's another, well, that's another, yes. another conversation. You can get cream for those nowadays, though. Oh, can you? Or I'll, yeah, I'll yeah. check the next one with the chemists. Yeah, so, yeah. the four lads of the Black Country 3, cruelly snatched away, as mentioned. Let's talk about the incident this on this episode and look at this from every angle that we can to try and ascertain if the official verdict was talking a lot of old nonsense uh, or, and who be. was who was responsible for the demise of that evening in July? So, Alan, I think you've uh, you've been looking at this with some with your eagle eyes. Well, I mean, I've got my spectacles out, and away we went. I mean, so as 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 the legend goes, the band were travelling back into Birmingham to go to a gig at the Whitehorse Cellars. Up on uh, Constitution Hill. That's, that's it. Yeah, I couldn't. It's been a while since I've been there. I think we got banned after the last time we were there. Up on Constitution Hill, you know, on Spaghetti Junction, which, to be fair, was you know only a year old at the time, so everyone was still working out the best way to get around the damn thing. I'm not sure there was probably people still driving around it from day one because it's that complicated. I, I'm, I've never figured it out myself, to be honest. 
it's a tough one. I'll tell you, it's very easy to get lost and you end up in some strange alternate dimension. There's tribes of people living, you know, where they've just had to abandon their vehicles because they couldn't work out the exit from the M6. You know, it's a whole culture of folks living underneath it now. I can I can well imagine it. I can well imagine it indeed, mate. It's an anthropologist's dream. So, just like you were saying, they were coming into Birmingham yeah, from exactly. the M6. And because they'd played a gig, earlier gig, I say gig, at the old grouse, which we you all used to frequent back in the day, right? It was like, one of those hot spots, wasn't it? You know, it was everyone, a, everyone had done a stint there. Everyone had, had you know. All the greats, all the greats had been there. Tony yeah. had been through there with the lads. Yeah. You know, I mean, I've, I've more than one occasion remember having more than one or two drinks with Geezer. Yeah, um, I mean, the, the lads the from Judas Priest, you know, they got their first break there. You know, mm-hmm. later on, the, the magnificent band was Magnum, another great Birmingham band. ELO, I think, played there once. I'm pretty sure that's where Halford got the leather thing from. It's it's quite possible because it, it was, there was a lot possible. of leather. The, the there. walls were covered in the stuff. It was yeah, ridiculous. it was it was it was there was quite a lot of leather, denim and leather. Yeah, I had yeah. I had the crow set fire to the sofa in the dressing room once. They were a right old handful, the quo, weren't they? You'd think, you know, with doing songs like Margarita Time, they'd have calmed down. But in the 70s, yeah, they were but, right animals. Yeah, they were doing plenty of margaritas and it wasn't salt around the edge of the glass neither. No, I heard a story. It was well, white and it was powdered, but it certainly wasn't salt. Yeah, they, they, they did used to consume, you know, uh, from, from, you know, not so much burning the candle at both ends, sort of napalming it, really. I, I, I heard they put the Aerosmith boys in hospital once. Well, that takes some doing, doesn't it? Oh, no. They, they, could, they could party. Anyway. I'm pretty sure not... Francis Rossi still owes me. Does he? I remember he tried to buy my air off me once. He was in, he was a, he was a, in a right state. He tried to he, buy your, buy he your, tried to your buy air? My, he tried to buy my air. Oh, yeah, this is yeah. when he, st- he still had his, yeah. He says, no one should have that much air, Brian. Think, I'm going to well, buy it off you. Well, the thing you do about look Rossi is he always planned ahead. That's uh, true, actually. I can I see planned ahead in more than was one a way. Shrewd businessman. I mean, Brian, you do look like a cross between, you know, a womble and an Afghan hound. So, you know, there is that, I suppose. You have got to find it there. I, I, it's never failed me. I've never lost a single one in my entire life. Apart from when I singed it on the light in that time in Vladivostok, but that's different. Yeah, well, you know, you were you weren't at your best then. Anyway, uh, uh, is that when you were nicked and they were torturing you for the evidence? No, that was that dodgy Russian Paxo. Yeah, Paxki with the, with with the P the backwards way round, and and that was it. You were out of it, weren't you, for that days? Was, that was over-engineered in the true Soviet sense. Was that bloody Nova? Yeah, one too many biscuits for the for the Soviet Republic, I think. Indeed. Um, anyway, heavy metal night on the Friday. It and was indeed. That was a rough crowd, all, you know, bikers and all, all those kinds of folks in there, you know, wanting to bang their head to something and, um, or bang anything really. And, uh, they, these jazz fusion chaps rock up with fluorescent paint, you know, woodwind instruments attached to their various parts of their body. They're on for about a minute. And then the, all hell breaks loose, which is really weird because I was reading that that, that old that old uh, copy of Booms that you found, Alan, and uh, 
in there, old Hugh, also that he is, did say that previously another band had been on, on Heavy Metal Night, you know, and they were more of a, you know, your old style rock and roll doo-wop band, and uh, they nearly got killed. So, you know, I think old Tom, the landlord there, was definitely getting towards the end of his stink behind the bar and uh, just kept booking any old nonsense. And look what happened. The thing with Tom, you've got to remember, is he'd fought in two world wars by this point. His hearing was shot at the best of times. Yeah, I was never quite sure what side he was on, though, to be fair. but um, I'm not sure he was. I think think in round one he was on one. I think he definitely switched halfway. Right, okay. Well, yeah. Was he Italian? Well... He may have been, but he certainly wasn't going to admit to it, you know, after... Uh, no, no, uh, Yeah, exactly. So, um, anyway, he was a funny character, but clearly he had, you know, taken a few hits in his time and started booking any old nonsense on a Thursday night, which was, frankly, you know, very dangerous, messing with, with forces that could not be controlled, really. No, indeed not. So, the, the, the com- common theory is on that fateful Friday night, got bottled off, chairs thrown, you know, upholstery ripped up, the whole place was a riot, and that they were chased from the venue out along the M6, and it was at that point when they were going to the more familiar climbs of the Whitehall Cellars, which was a jazz club at the time. Yeah, I mean, they frequented there, it was their sort of their home spot, I mean... Yeah, I mean, and, and, and these fellas didn't didn't so much get booked, did they? Kind of just sort of turned up and, you know, yeah. started tooting away on their brobo. And, uh, you know, well, next they, thing you know, they're into a full on, you know, jazz rendition of, well, you know, Rainy Sunday or something. Well, that, well that's jazz for you, isn't it? No, but you, you, you can't look like you know what you're doing. You just all got to be making it up. And that's how you get a hit jazz record, isn't it? Well, well, I mean, the thing is, you've got to, you've got to bear in mind that, you know, because there, they could just come in, turn the lights off for 20 minutes, get the room was on off and, you know, get, get themselves on the stage and, you know, finish off the evening. That's true. I suppose they were just waiting for, um, for our boss to come back in, you know, and uh, melon balls to come back in start serving and dipping his balls around. And, uh, and the I'm, next thing I'm you know, sure, that would get him off the stage, wouldn't it? I'm pretty sure John, you know, the landlord at the time in 73, I'm sure he often was quite grateful that they would turn up because nothing would help out the pub at closing time more than, you know, 10 minutes of no, them. That's true. That's, that, that's that, true. That, that is true, yeah. Didn't he? Um, he was a friend of George Melly's, wasn't he, I think? Um, but anyway, that's what they were doing. Of course, they never got to the, the White Horse Cellars. Oh. Um, they... The, the the van crashed. I mean, it could have, it could have been their version of of you know the Cavern Club. It could have been. It could have been something you know, special. Could have, yeah. could have been something you know, ahead what? of their time. If they'd been you know five years later, you know, with all of the punk scene, um, you know, they'd have probably been stabbed. But um, at least they would have you know gone out with a bit of a you know a bit of notoriety. Whereas unfortunately, you know, um, you, you you ask people who the Black Country Three are, I haven't got a clue. Which is already no, awesome. that's true. And stabbing was was very common in the mm-hmm. punk era. Of course, there was those there was those two chaps that fell over on Vivian Westwood's trousers that were in hospital for six weeks. It's very easy to deal with Vivian uh, Clobber. You never Indeed. knew what you can, can have somebody's eye out. Um, I did tell her to Malcolm McLaren once. Actually, he wasn't really. He was a bit of a knob, actually. Um, but anyway, so what happened next? That's what so, we want to find out. Exactly. The lads are you know hurtling down the M6. We can only assume hurtling down. You know they've got. 30 backers on your back, you're not going to be going up 
25 like you normally would. No, I reckon they'd be getting up to the maximum speed of that van. Something like 43 miles an hour. Something like that. On, a, on downhill with a strong wind behind you. Yeah, might even get to 55 if, you, if you've got a strong enough wind. In a, oh, in I think it'd have to be a flipping hurricane for that, <laughs> to get out moving. But yes, so they were hurtling, in inverted commas, um, to to their death fundamentally. So oh, you reckon? So um, yeah, I paid I paid the spot a visit to uh, have a look. Obviously, pay our respects, leave a wreath on the side. Did a little took a little recording with the machine that Brian had sent over to me. I'm, very, I'm, um, I'm glad it arrived. Useful after about after spent about twenty minutes trying to get the bloody thing started. Um, and just to have a, sort of inspect the scene as it is today. I so also what, took a little papier, papier mache version of the van, hoping to recreate the incident. And uh, I mean, I can imagine the site itself hasn't changed that much, has it? Because it's not like it's just, it's not like it's you know redoing the driveway. It's a fairly hefty bit of kit, isn't it? Is spaghetti. It junction. is, but I, 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 you know, I, I think some of the materials used now are, are probably a little bit more. Uh, up to date, and I was reading that in researching this, it does cost a lot of money to keep the Spirit Junction actually operational because it was the way it was constructed. Oh, okay. There you go. So it wasn't. You know, could have been. Could that have been a potential cause for this accident? That you know. Oh, yeah. Could it? Could it have been? Yeah. Road fatigue or, or material fatigue? You know, because uh, there were barriers. Around it was only. Think I mean, it was only a year old at the time, so you like to think that you know. You'd hope it wouldn't get fatigued in a year. The Romans put a concrete roof on that church thing 2,000 years ago, and that's still all right. But it was the 70s, so you know people probably knocking that's off after 20 yeah. minutes. Yeah, you know, job it, done. Yeah, Roman concrete wasn't 1970s yeah. concrete, admittedly. Yeah. So let's see. They don't make them like they used to. They totally don't. So um, thank goodness, in some as we've just proven. Um, so let's listen to what you, how you got on with your. Reenactment of the scene, Al. Right, is this thing on? I think so. Brian said, wait for the red light, and here's three on, so here we go. Here I am, standing on, uh, on Spaghetti Junction. Just pulled the van over to the side of the road, just to, you know, so we get a better look of it, actually on, on scene, as it were. You know, it's, it's, it's quite the construction. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's had billions of people who come through this road since that fateful day in, in 1973. As I, as I look at the scene, it's easy to understand how it could have happened, really. You know, you you take this corner a bit too quickly, and <laughs> I can understand it. You know, you could easily have, uh, easily topple over, or in, in the case of the Black Country 3, uh, go through the wall. But, I mean, you know, and that these days, that looks like... Pretty solid reinforced concrete with uh, probably got a steel girder in it. I don't know if it did that at the time, but it would have taken, you know, quite a lot of force probably nowadays to get through that. I mean, you know, road safety has improved an awful lot since then. So, I mean, that's something I suppose you'd all be, all be grateful for. But, you know, as I, you know, as, I, as I stand here, I can, you know, I'm hit by the, hit by the moment. You know, you've got, you know, just, you know, 50 feet below me, four people lost their lives in that t- terrible accident, and it's just one of those, it's a terrible thing, and uh, it's just, well, I don't think I'll ever, I'll ever be the same again after being here, if I'm honest with you. You know, I've been at, been at the end of piers and watched bandmates jump off piers and never to be seen again, but this is particularly, 
it's got it's got the willies of me if I'm honest with you. But as I you know as, as I said, standing here, you know, it's quite an acute angle. You've got this heavy right turn to take you down to the roundabout at the bottom. You know, as you come off the M6 onto the old uh, A38, you know, and that take you up to Constitution Hill eventually. You know, it's, it's, it's easy to see, you know. Uh, I just, I, I find myself lost for words, actually, now. I mean, I mean the traffic and the beeping horns aren't helping, but, you know, you got to do what you got to do. So so what I'm going to do next is, um, you know, we're going to try and recreate, uh, recreate the accidents. I brought my, brought my model up, you know, just uh, knocked it off a, bit, a few days ago. It's just a lovely, lovely cardboard box and uh, made to look like a man. And got a, you know, so let's, let's go, so... You know, I'm now starting to kind of run down the road a little bit. Angie, mate, Angie, don't you worry, don't you worry. I'll, I'll, I'll only be a minute. Right, so here we go, so here we go, I've got the van all lined up. So here we go, we're running, we're going to run up. Run, 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 here we go. And then, you know, it's, uh, you can see this, here comes the turn now. And then, oh, Jesus Christ, there's this much running, I have to deal with this through. So what are we going to do? Right, so then the van. Oh, just, oh, God, give me, give me two, give me two ticks. Oh, jeez. Oh, I should have had those. Oh, I'll give up the Rathbones in a minute. Anyway, right, so the van just comes into a skid. You know, somehow the, the, the door comes off. We don't, we don't quite know how. God knows what happened there. You know, and then over it goes, you know. So what we're going to do now is we're going to set the whole, you know, we'll just light a fire early on it and, um, you know, see, see what happens on the impact. No, oh bloody hell, look up. Oh, they come up, I better shove this in my pocket. Um, good afternoon, sir. Uh, would you please explain to me what you're doing blocking the highway? Hello, sir. I'm, I'm doing, I'm, I'm a journalist. I'm doing an, ex- an experiment into an accident that happened here about 50 years ago now, and I just I just need five more minutes. Uh, sir, I, I don't recall any um, authorisation to block the highway being received by any of the local constabularies, and therefore I'm going to have to call for you to get back into your vehicle and commence on your journey straight away, or face potential imprisonment and or a fine because sir, of your... It's all for the good of the community, I tell you what, you know, it's, it's, it's always been a big mystery, I'm sure, isn't it? I'm not sure. 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 I'm I mean, can I just, um, just give me one, can I give you this, give you this a hold for a second? So what is this, it seems to be some sort of paper mache Charles thing? It's a, it's a, it's a scale model of a 400 e Thames van from 1960. Why are there potatoes in the back, sir? I have to ask, but I dread the answer. They're to, they're to represent the people that died in the crack. They're about the same weight proportion, you see. So, I mean, I'm just going to, I'll just get my life tonight. I'm just going to set it on fire. So and then I'm going to pass it over the side. That's what happened. I mean, not only are you, 
in breach of the 1918 Highways Act, uh, which was stopping the highway and speech is a very serious offence, as I mentioned, with jail and or a very high crime, you need to change your vehicle straight away, uh, and if you dare... Yeah, there will be additional offence of fly-tipping on the highway, which carries a very large fine, so I suggest you take you and your child... Your child's... Your child's paper mache nonsense, uh, put it back in your van and be on your way straight away, uh, and I will be sending you a uh, producer documents uh, order which you should receive in the thing where I will need to see your current driving license and insurance for this vehicle. So that was my uh, fairly costly outing in the end. Yeah, it sounds like the police weren't very impressed with you um, blocking no. off the uh, exit to the M6 there, mate. I've, I've, I've written to the commissioner uh, claiming, you know, stopping journalism in action. I'm pretty sure there are, there are laws against that sort of thing. So but, I, I'm, um, I'm, I'm fully awaiting a response at some point in the next seven to ten days. I don't actually think that, you know, Amnesty International is going to be, you know, knocking your door down any second to, to, to you know, get your conviction. I for... thought... For blocking the, right the King's Highway Clooney. and Clooney, you think he might be able to help you? Well, it's yeah. his wife's a human rights lawyer, so I thought I might try and mile Clooney and see if I get on. And then if I can get George on board as well, I'll be, uh, you know. Well, oh, well, well if, you know, if you do need a charity single, um, you know. We've got, you have you, you lads have previous, don't you? With the, we uh, do, uh, I mean, look, look, how, look how well you benefited from, from, the, from the old charity single, exactly. mate. Exactly. But yeah, my, my, my court date's coming up as well, so I mean, I. I'll keep you informed and hopefully we can get things uh, squared away before that. I didn't, uh, yeah, I didn't get that to insurance pay. as well, though, mate. That's um, that, that's got nothing to do with journalistic integrity, though, is it? That's just uh, that's just negligence or tight-fistedness. Combination it, of the two. It was a it was a new van. The other one was in the shop. Regrettably, I picked up the wrong keys for the wrong van, and it was a terrible accident. Normally, normally. Brad stock removals are uh, you know, a proper professional outfit. I just I let myself down on the day. I mean, I can only, I've apologised as I said, but I was there for the right reasons. I wasn't there, you know, fly tipping as they say. And it it was at least your your own van. You hadn't pinched one, it's, you know, well, better than some. Exactly, you know, it it definitely you know was now my van. Right. All right. Well, anyway, so. What do you reckon then? Do you reckon it is possible it was the, the road itself or anything peculiar about the road that might have caused the accident? Just the whole thing just looks treacherous. It, it's it's like it's like some sort of satanic rune that's been inscribed into the Midlands. It's Well, that's Birmingham, isn't it? Well, yeah, there, there, there is that. It actually, do you know what? It's not that bad now. I went back recently. And, it looked uh, nice on the telly. I saw it on the telly when you were doing actually, it. It's actually quite nice. And, you know, down by the town hall, it's lovely. Um, you know, not like in our day where it was, you know, rough as houses, you know, and, uh, you know, get, you know, beaten up or stabbed or something just for looking the wrong way at things. Um, it's much nicer now. So, you know, fair play. They've done a lot of work to it. I think I was there, you know, it was, a, it was a Tuesday afternoon, you know, at three o'clock. You know, the sun was beaming down on me. But if I'm getting... I can imagine that if I'm under pressure and there's 30 backers behind me and I'm getting, you know, worrying for my safety, you know, quarter 12 at night or whatever, I could easily have taken that bend all the wrong way around, you know. 
it's not the easy. It's it's not going. It's not the easiest thing to navigate under pressure, is it? No. Well, so and also, as we as we discussed, I mean, the, the, you know, the, the Thames van wasn't the nimblest of things. No, they, they they could roll quite a bit, couldn't they? They were quite they, they were quite high up on the suspension. So, you know, if you and if if you've got gear in the back as well, shifting from side to side as Which you would, that, that double base was uh, you know was pretty was, pretty monstrous, wasn't it? There was definitely gear in the back, yeah. Yeah, definitely. So what we're saying here is that obviously if you were being chased, Spaghetti Junction is not the place to be, right? No, no. But, of course, that is predicated on the fact that they were being chased, spaghetti. right? I think I'd rather be on Spaghetti Junction than I would on the M6, cause that's in, uh, on the M25, sorry, because I'd rather be go, just going round and round in circles. At least you're going somewhere, you know, albeit slowly um, on the on the M M6. So, but of course, like you say, the biker gang theory, which was never really, you know, the police may have alluded to something, you know, in in hearsay, but it was never really, you know, put down as a reason, and nobody from the biker gang was was kind of charged or anything. So, Birmingham and you know the, the north was 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 full of wannabe, you know. Tough men biker gangs back in the day. Yeah, I mean, and, and quite a lot of them would used to come and watch us play. So, you know, we don't want to, you know, they yeah, weren't all know. they weren't all bad. Well, I mean, they were hard yeah, men, yeah. but you know, it was a it was you a never hard, know hard when, time. When, the, when there might be another two of in the offing, we we still want people to buy tickets, don't well, we? Well, yeah, but I mean, I think you know, oh, you have to, you have, you have to remember that, there was a, you know, you know it was it, these were hard men, you know, who who who'd worked hard, you know, in factories or, you know you know, welders or whatever, you know, working under steel, you know, coal miners and all of that. And so, you know, they were hard men for sure, but, you know, they, they, they just wanted to come out for an evening and, uh, you know, have a good time and forget about the, the horrible work they had to do on the next day. So worked, worked hard and they played hard, didn't they? They certainly did. And, you know, there, but for the fact that, you know, we could play musical instruments, we would have been doing the same, frankly. Exactly, yeah, you know. So, I, um, I know we I know we give the give the, the, the city that launched our careers a bit of jit, you know, and especially me with my, my comment just then, but you know, we, we owe a lot to Birmingham and I, I think it's fondness that makes us Yeah, I mean, only, it in only, such only if you've lived there can you really take the mick out of a place, I think. I think um, so. So, but you know, Birmingham was a, was a tough place for sure, but it was the powerhouse of industry, and you know, I mean, it was the heartland of you know British industry. It, it, it absolutely, it absolutely was, yeah. Sheffield so, and, and you know Newcastle, places like that, and these yeah. are places we all we visited regularly. You know, I mean, I don't I don't mean to be disrespectful to them, but I'm just saying there was a there was a lot of biker gangs that were vying for power, vying for control. Yeah, that, that, is, that is true. That, 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 absolutely, I can, yeah, absolutely, and that never really went away. So, so I think probably then the next line of inquiry for us would be to have a word with the fellas who were about at the time and see if we can get some info from the biker gangs themselves. What do you think? Luckily, I've got that one sorted too. How did you manage to to, to persuade one of them to talk about their, uh, you know? criminal past because you know there's no statute of limitations well, on some of these things well i reached out to a few people that sort of you know knew still in the area and obviously peaky blinders has been a big success it draws a lot of attention to the area it's true in a good way i suppose yeah. that's you know the best way to phrase it but i thought 
you know, probably no one was keen to talk to, you know, the drama from all up power fist. You know, I don't know why, but it didn't seem to carry the weight that it, it, it used to. Right. You know, so I, I thought, well, what we could perhaps do is um, see if I don't want to talk to a researcher for a 1970s Peaky Blinders spin-off show. So I put the I put the word out a little bit more. You know, stuck the old mobile number down and, uh, you know, one chap reached out to me who, you know, as as luck would have it, because, you know, I tried to make a thing and we were trying to talk about the Black Country 3. And he was the chap that apparently was heavily involved in the situation. Um, Wrong. So Mr. Craig, Craig Sellers. So, uh, you know, I think he was looking for a bit of fame. That's a, that's a stroke of luck, stroke of luck for you, isn't it, mate? Yeah. Well, you great. know, I, mean, I think if I'm honest with you, he was, uh, you know, trying, trying, trying to perhaps see if he can waggle his way onto uh, onto the show in some variety or at least get some notoriety out of it to, you know, hark back to his glory days. Is, right. is, is such a show going to be forthcoming or, or is it... Um, uh, is... I've, I've written a letter to the BBC and I'm yet to hear back. Because that sounds like a great series, Peaky Bikers. I, I reckon so, yeah. Yeah, by order of the Peaky Bikers. You can see it now, can't you? Some... some... Rob Halford-esque looking chap, you know, striding in. I reckon so, yeah. Big, lo- lo- lots of big moustaches. Yeah, no. Yeah. Big handlebar moustaches. Leather and, yeah, uh, I mean, that, and studs. Yeah, that Sons of Anarchy, but, you know. Right, set in the Birmingham. 70s. With the, was set in 70s Birmingham. It's not, somewhat less glamorous than um, Southern California, one feels, but uh, there we go. Um, so, let's listen to what okay, this guy's got. He was... He was it was a part of a band. Uh, the, the, the gang that he was involved in, they were called the Gravely Diggers. So oh, I uh, heard of them. Yeah, the, the Gravely, the Gravely Diggers. Yeah, very clever that, wasn't it? Because they were from Gravely Hill, of course. Exactly. That's, was. Where they, that's where they meet up. So they were. Yeah. I so, think wasn't it one of them? Yeah, Grave Diggers. Wasn't it one of them that emigrated to the states to do the monster trucks? I think one. I think the fella because there's that monster truck called Grave Digger. I think he, I think the fella who, who started that off and drives that. I think he was one of. I think he was one of one of these Grave Digger fellas. Uh, when, when you say emigrated, do you mean on the run? Well, it might have been because a couple of them, from what I recall, were a little bit handy, shall we say? Yeah, well, they had a reputation, didn't they, in the area? Well, oh, I don't right. know. Yeah, we, we, if, if, if you you saw their motif on the back of their, you know, their jackets, you, had, you know, with a sort of spaghetti junction doodle and a, a little tombstone in the middle, you knew that they were the, you were in for in for a spot oh. bother. Well, yeah, that's true. It's almost like they had a sort of modus operandi. Do you remember when uh, when Peter hired that uh, that Barker gang to do our security in Milwaukee that time? They were the uh, God's God's angels or something. Bank, they got the absolute living shit beat out of them, didn't they? Because they were all pacifists. And they, all, they were they all, all born again Christians. All went around on vespers, didn't they? You know, little cigarellos out the side of their mouths. Yeah, they were like, very I, intimidating. I don't know no, where, where know, they got the was, idea for that, but um, yeah, they got the Jesus bitten out of them. I think we would have been better off having Libavachi doing our security that night. 
Well, it was it was a tough gig. I mean, Milwaukee is a funny place at the best of times. Um, what being half thousand nine months of the year will do to you, I guess. That's true, but a uh, tough crowd, like, and yeah, these these fellas who were doing security, absolutely useless, got the living bejesus knocked out of them. Um, but yes, that's what happens when you you think, oh, I'll hire them, that'll work well. Just ask the Rolling Stones. Yeah, it's. it's I, I think you know the intention was there. You know, yeah, but, but, that was the problem with Peter, wasn't it? It was always well, the intention. Well, the intention was not to pay us any bloody money. That was the intention. Well, I mean, I, I, mm. I, I do remember seeing a large wad of dollars being handed over. What, what to Peter? No, to the uh, to the back, because it went into a collection tin, if I remember correctly. <laughs> right. Okay. That would make sense, yeah. All right, well, we never saw a blooming penny, did we? Well, why don't we, um, why don't we uh, have a... Why don't we see what he's got to say Let's for himself? Let's work out this one first before yeah. we start counting yeah, and before, keeping score. And, uh, and see what he's got to say for himself. I don't believe it. You little furry devils. You've chopped through all my veg and carrots. Don't you just hate it when that happens? There you are, about to pick your veg for Sunday lunch... And nature has decided to help herself. Hi, I'm Matthias van Gogh, CEO of Evergoen, the UK's next biggest greenhouse supplier. And we can solve this problem for you. Little fairy blighters, I bloody hate them, I do. Well, with the Evergoen SFD system that was developed in conjunction with our friends at Global Defence Solutions, that can be a thing of the past. It's quick to install and solar-powered. The SFD can detect when a small oh, intruder is raiding your crops and unleashes a small blast of high-frequency sound to deter the little thief. And if they're not deterred the first time, it has 11 different modes, ranging from, please lead your little friend, to, let's melt your brain. That'll teach the little blighters. You're right, sure. The next time Peter Rabbit makes a raid on your prized plums, Think of the ever-grown SFD system and teach that little blue-coated menace a lesson he won't soon forget. With Evergone. And now I'm I'm here with a gentleman called Craig Sellers. Now he uh, used to be a big a big name on the scene of the underworld, and my friend Stephen was very interested in me talking to him. So uh, I thought if I could. I could pick your brains for a bit, Craig, if you wouldn't mind. Just uh, get into what it was truly like to be on the underworld in 1970s Birmingham. Yeah, well, all right, Treagle. It was pretty tough, to be honest with you, and I'm glad you've come to me to speak about it, because, uh, you know, I was about then, big in the scene, always willing to, you know, hand out a punishment when needed, and... Uh, yeah, I'm glad, uh, you know, you're, do, do you reckon I'll be able to meet, uh, you know, part some of the cars from Peaky Blinders in this? I mean, I'll, I'll have a chat with, with my friend Stephen, see what we can arrange. Um, I, I can't help but notice, Craig, that you, you, you're not from the Birmingham area. No, nah, that's, nah, that's, that's fair. That's fair. I mean, it, what happened was, it, because the gang, you know, we had branches all over. And uh, so I got, you know, made to sort of sergeant at arms, 
in the in the Birmingham chapter. And, uh, the, the, the gang, if I'm if I check my notes, uh, this is the, the the Gravely Diggers, I believe they were called. Yeah, that was us, the Gravely Diggers gang. Yeah, terrifying we were uh, back in the day. You know, nobody would mess Any, with us. Yeah. Any particular reason for the for, for the name or? You well, know, you, know. well, you know, the, the, the thing was, we, we kind of, you know, if anybody messed with us, they knew they were going to be, you know, we'd be digging their graves kind of thing. And we were from, you know, some of the lads there, they were from Gravely Hill. So that helped. But yeah, it was all pretty sinister, to be honest. You know, people knew us around, around those parts. We used to go to, you know, rather local pubs and clubs, rough them up a bit get a bit of money off of us, you know, things might just catch fire. You know what I'm saying? I see. Uh, yeah, I think if I, if I remember correctly, I think uh, I may have been in one or two establishments that some of your, you or maybe some associates of yours visited on more than more than one occasion. Well, yeah, that's, that's what we did, you know, back in the 70s. It was about protecting what's yours and, you know, getting, getting you know, what was, what was owed. And now that's what they brought me up there for make sure that there was no no messing about no nonsense did you have much trouble with other gangs do you know did you find it was a a doggy dog doggy environment up there or or was it you know there was always more mundane from your london experience no there was always going to be bother you know wherever you go to a place like this there was always people trying to be the big man trying to you know get the name out on the street but uh you know we me and the lads we put them right you know there was the uh the Arch Hill mob, uh, you know, they 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 were pretty nasty. Uh, they'd always come tooled up, you know, if you went for a rumble with them. Um, you know, and we used to usually, you know, Saturday afternoons, uh, you know, we'd, we'd get involved, you know, with the football, you know, Birmingham City Villa, you know, we'd be there, you know, giving it a bit of a, a bit of the old Dowser father, and uh, yeah, it was good times. I loved it. I was really happy. Um, you know, things have calmed down somewhat, but let me tell you, the cutthroat world of double glazing salesmen is just as exhilarating. Well, I can I can only imagine. I mean, I, I mean, I'm not too dissimilar line of work myself. I know it can all be a bit a bit cutthroat. Um, so the thing is, it's you know, as, as I said, Stephen and uh, you know, Mr. Knight, as I should probably call him, we wanted to dial down to one particular particular oh, element right. of your yep. history, if I may. Yeah, go on. And then, so the thing is, Craig, um, Stephen and I, we just wanted to dial down into one particular part of your history, you know, at a time where perhaps, you know, where, where we know that you came into contact with the law, and that would be the 6th of July, 1973. I'm sure you remember it, uh, remember it fondly. Yeah, this listen, this isn't gonna, you know, be incriminating or anything, is it? Not gonna be. Oh no, we'll be very. No, just, just, just for just for research, just for research, Craig. Don't worry, it's it's, it's nothing to worry about. I mean, right. Well, no, it's it's just just research for for the project. I guess you're talking about those four ponces and their van, aren't you? And what happened to them? The Black Country but, Three. Yeah, that, that's, yeah, that's that's, that's right. the incident. Yeah. Well, I can tell you, I'll tell you what happened as best I can recall. Uh, we'd been down the boozer, you know, knocking back a few ales, and this band had come on. Absolute nonsense. Uh, right bunch of hippies, 
playing any old crap. And, uh, well, we, me and the lads, we, we were keen to give them a piece of our mind, chased them out of the venue. They got into their Thames van. We got on our bikes. I had a nice Triumph uh, Bonneville back then. Or it might have been a Norton Commander, I can't remember. Uh, and we chased them uh, through the city up onto the Spaghetti Junction, where one of them, you know, when we got right close to him, and I banged on the side of the van and said, oh, I'm going to smash your head in, son. Uh, he skidded off, went over the edge. Uh, whole thing smashed to bits when it hit the floor. And uh, anyway, uh, I drove down and make sure that they were well and truly dead. And uh, that was... Because I mean, there's one particular element that, you know, I think we'll, we'll come on to that in just one second. But you say you, you, you chased them through the city. I mean, they're were, they were heading back in from what we, from the police report tells us. Yeah, well, they kind of looped round. You know, the roads in Birmingham are very confusing, particularly getting in and out on the M6. Particularly difficult to navigate if you've ever driven it. And uh, yeah, they went the wrong way. That was so our many times, time. don't you worry. And that was our time to strike. So yeah, that was it. We wanted to, we they weren't coming back into my city, not without they would remember the night. And sure enough, they did. So I mean, how many? I mean, I, I know the, the the rough, you know, colloquial report from the you know what everyone says. About thirty of you and your gang. Seventy-three, you say. Yeah, there was about 30 I mean, that's that, that night. Yeah, there would have been about 30 of us. Because, uh, you know, that's that's what we... I'll show a force and having a few drinks, watching the band, uh, and then, you know, causing some bother or smashing some up. That was what we did. So, yeah, I drove back I see, down see, right. with, my, with my mates, and uh, one of them was still sort of limping. So uh, just to be absolutely sure, I cut his appendage off. I mean, I mean, that's quite a... <clears throat> I mean, that's quite a quite a thing to do. I mean, well, well they defended I mean, me with their was, own was your, playing, frankly. I mean, that, that was your motivation, was it? That was your your, your, your driving force was just payback my, for, uh, my, for the yeah, jazz. Listen, my my mum, she brought us up in the East End, uh, and she used to play the recorder to us before we went to bed at night. And uh, what this fool was doing with the oboe doesn't bear thinking about was a crime against humanity. So I wanted to make sure that if there's anybody else with a perchance, you know, wanting to mess around with a woodwind instrument on stage, they knew that if they got it wrong, they'd be singing the old uh, high notes from here on out. I see. So you mean, is this like you did a lot of? Did you often, you know, let me tell you, Let me tell you something. I kept that. I had it preserved, taxidermied up, and it was in a velvet pouch I used to keep on my person at all times. So basically... Like. Once, once you cut off one bloke's todger, nobody else is going to be queuing up to mess with you. Let me tell you that. I mean, you carried it. I mean, surely the smell would have been. Well, I can only imagine. Well, I, I knew a very good taxidermist who well, managed to preserve it. Uh, you know, it was a fair member as well. I'll tell you that. You know, it was a loss to womankind, I think. But uh, yeah, all mankind. I don't know. But uh, yeah, it it was something that. Um, you know, I used to keep with me, you know, so everybody knew there's the man, there's the man who owns Birmingham, comes around here. I see. So, I mean, you wore it like a, as a badge of honour. It became, you know, 
it became a talisman for me. Yeah. yeah, nobody messed with me once I had the the so, yeah, you know the, oh, the velvet okay. bag out. So that's 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 the people we're referring to when they when I, I kept hearing about this bloke called Nobber Sellers. So I'm guessing it was I'm guessing that was what they were referring to was just your good self back in the day. That's right. They used to shout it at me as yeah. I drove past on my bike. Oi, Nobber! And I'd be that's right. You know. Yeah, you exactly. know, son. Well, I mean, so obviously you know you've you've hounded this van. Down yep. the M6. Yep. You've caused it to take one hell of a tumble. I mean, there's already there, there are people burning, people you know already yeah, really sadly passed away. That's right. Yeah. You've, you've 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 approached the van. You've you've cut a man's tackle off. <clears throat> I mean, surely you know. I mean, riding around, waving around, obviously <laughs> fairly obvious to the to the, to the cops what, what happened. So in. Uh, was it sort of the next day you got you got pinched, or was it sort of three or four days later? What was the? Well, we were in the old garrison, and uh, I was I just had it returned to me from my oh, mate's taxi service. It was nice to the old garrison, if I remember correctly. Yeah, a, it was it was an old a lovely proper man's pub. So anyway, I was in the snug with a couple of the high-ranking members of the gang, and I and I got it out on the table flopped it down and said, look, that's what happens when you mess with the gravely. Oh, the, the one in the pouch, right, okay. Yeah, got it out, put the pouch down, there it was, you could see it in all of its glory, it's, you know, the the meat and potatoes of the matter, and uh, yeah, I think some, we had a snitch, we had a grass on the inside, because like, within two hours, I'm back at home, you know, having having my pie and chips, and then the flipping filth come around, take the door in. You know, smash me up. Mash, that's all I'm saying. Smash me up against the wall. You know, hook me into the into the station. Give me a kick in on the way as I fell down the stairs. You know that old nonsense. I'm in the back of the van. They're smacking the living producers out of me, saying, you know, confess. We know you did it, you bastard. You know that kind of nonsense. But I wasn't going to say nothing. I don't speak to the police. I say nothing. Two days they had it, you know, the old truncheons out, oh, rubber, rubber blooming pipes around the head, the old, old business, nothing from me because I'm an old man. I mean, I think you may have a, I mean, you may have a case even now against police, you know, brutality, but anyway, well, uh, I don't want to bring it up because of all the other stuff I've done. I don't want them looking, you know, too hard. Oh, I so see you got your other bits you need to. Yeah, there's, there's, you know, there's things that happened that are, that are even worse than me cutting a fella's todger off while he's dying. I, I, I can only imagine. I mean, I know you were a part of the gang for what, 15, 25 years, and I think in the end. Yeah, I think yeah. Once I moved back down, you know, to look after me, me aging mum in the East End and got into the double glazing business, you know, I lost all interest for gang warfare because you know. Double glazing business was was much more cutthroat. It's, it's interesting that you went from smashing windows to replacing them. Was I mean I, I mean I didn't want to. I mean I well, don't want to be. Well, my old, was there a was, was son, there a sort of stum- vested well, interest? You stumbled on one of my, my favourite tactics. You know, get some of the old lads out, eh? Get them on the bikes one more time, and you know. Well, you know, let's you put it this way: if I needed a bonus. You could be damn sure there'd be a few windows kicked in down West Ham. Oh, yeah. Ah, gotcha, gotcha. I mean, I can understand you wanted a bonus. You already had a, you know, an additional boner and a, and a velvet pouch. So I suppose a, a bonus is just one more, uh, one more little boost to your collection of things. Well, you know, to be fair, I did throw the old pouch out 
uh, it was getting a bit raggedy. And uh, also, you know, DNA these days being what it is, I didn't want it, you know, coming back on me. You know, some cold case, some clever cold Poor choice of words, but I haven't heard one. Definitely didn't want that coming back on you, crikey. You, you, you went back to, you know, back to London, and you, you've been clean ever since. So, I mean, that's, well... Well, know. nothing anybody could prove in a court of law. Well, not and remain with their tackle intact, as it were. But, yes, I've been pretty clean so far. Nothing that would come back on the show, of course. You know, if Killian Murphy wanted to come round and, uh, you know, get some tips on being a Cockney hard man, I'm happy to oblige. I mean, Danny I mean, Dyer's got away with it for years, so I think I'll be all right. I, I don't know if Killian's going to be in, is going to be involved in this particular project, but we can, you know, as I said, I'll ask my friend Stephen and see what he see what he can uh, see what he can arrange. Right. Well, you know, maybe Danny Dyer might be an option. You know. Well, it's, who knows? Who, who knows? I mean, it's, it's it's all up in the air at the moment, but I think you know we've got enough. I think for now. I'd, I'd, I'd like to, Danny Dyer. He'd be a great me. No two ways about it. I mean, if I'm honest with you, I think you're more likely to get David Jason than you are Danny Dyer. But we'll see how we get, see what we can do. Right. Well, I look forward to it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, just let me know if you need anything else. No, that's, that's very kind, correct. And yeah, take care. And if we need anything else, we'll be we'll be in contact with you. If you need some windows, give me a shout. I'll do your special deal, son. Proper giving me the collie wobbles, but well, bleeding Nora, he sounds a right handful, does, does that Craig Sellers? You know, I mean, talk about talk about entrepreneur, double glazing salesman, what goes down and breaks windows and then turns up the next day and goes, Oh, I see you've had some windows broken. Well, I just happened to be passing. I mean, but I wouldn't melt or what? I'm bleeding terrifying. I mean, talk, talking to him, yeah, it, it clearly had a, uh, you know, his criminal past had, had, had shaped the way he's, he's lived his life ever since. I mean, he's now in the now in the East End of London. He's gone back home. Um, he wasn't a native Birmingham lad, um, you know. But yeah, he. I mean, if I'm honest, he offered to do my windows. I can't think of anyone less I'd want to give my home address to. No, 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 not at all. Not at all. I, I, I'm, I, I'm kind of nervous to even knows the names of us that are doing it. I mean, he sounds like a sounds like a nightmare. And he's from the East End of London, you reckon? Well, if his <coughs> surname definitely, you know, Sellers. I mean, if, if I was if I was anyone that works on production on Peaky Blinders, I'd be a bit concerned, and I can only apologise right now. If anything happens, because I think he might be a bit upset if he doesn't get on the show somehow. Well, you see, the thing is, lads, I interviewed the policeman who was responsible for the investigation into this accident slash murder slash conspiracy. And he tells a very different story about our Mr. Craig Sellers. In fact, I'll let you listen to it because uh, I'm not quite sure that uh, he's completely telling the truth about what he, he really did in the 1970s and uh, the police definitely had an eye on him but not for the reasons you might think right then well next guest 
uh, very important person, actually. Uh, I've managed to uh, track down the investigating officer for the crash and subsequent death of the Black Country 3. And uh, I'm very pleased to be joined by a retired Detective Inspector uh, Colin Ainsworth. Good afternoon, Colin. Hello, 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 Clive. How is you this evening? Well, not too bad, thank you. Um, you were a very, you know, prominent figure in the, uh, you know, uh, crime scene, obviously, from the police's perspective uh, during the 1970s. And, Indeed, you know, yes, you were... from the police perspective. Please be careful with that <laughs> kind of accusation, please. Absolutely. So what we're kind of interested in uh, is a particular case that, that I think you had some dealings with before you were inspector. I think it was when you were still a constable. Um, was when the Black Country 3, a jazz fusion band from the Birmingham area, uh, crashed off the top of the relatively new at the time Spaghetti Junction, killing all four members. Now, can do you have any recollection of the of the accident particularly? Yes, I I I think I do recall that particular incident. Uh, it was not long after the aforementioned uh, Spaghetti Junction was opened, if I remember. The, the, uh, the, the van in question made a right mess of some very new concrete work. That's right, yeah, went right off the top there. It did indeed. It was tragic for all involved. Yeah, so about that kind of tragedy, we've been asking around the local, you know, um, Let's you know the local criminal element really, because if I tell you the the kind of rumor that perpetuated from that day onwards, and that was kind of gone into you know rock musician folklore, if you like, is, is as follows. Mm-hmm. So on the, that night, July the sixth, uh, nineteen seventy three, the Black Country Three, the four of them at the old Grouse, and. It was a mistake made by Tom, the proprietor of the bar at the time, and he booked this band not knowing what sort of band they were. And it turns out they were a sort of psychedelic jazz fusion thing. It was not really suitable for which was, as you probably recall, kind of rock night or metal night, I think we used to call it, uh, on at the old grouse. And as a consequence, there was a small riot, which was not uncommon for the Black Country 3 to cause. They'd all previously done it the other week, I believe. So the question, I suppose, is um, the, the information that we have from a particular individual who claims to be heading up or the head of this notorious biker gang, the Gravely Diggers, that's it. Um, oh, yes, I remember the Gravely Diggers. Yeah, so the the story goes that they were in the old grouse, which was not uncommon, to be fair, on that evening. They were the ones who started throwing chairs and bottles at this band. Again, not an uncommon occurrence at the time. And as a consequence, when they legged it out of the venue into their van, the gravely diggers got on their motorbikes and chased them along the M6 to the point where they'd kind of harassed and harangued the van, banging on the sides and whatnot, and they forced the driver, who I believe was Jack Newell, to crash off the barricade and, you know, to their all, all of their deaths below. 
Um, and the, the police reports, which subsequently came out, claimed that none of this happened and that they'd slipped on some black ice, which has always been a bit weird. But what what do you know about the story there then? Well, let me clear up a few things, I think, from a start. I think we need to put some context onto the matter. Um, and I would start by saying that my dear old mum is 97. And I would be more scared of her today than I would have been scared of the Gravely Diggers at any point in their history. Right. If, if there ever was a bunch of people with overinflated opinions then it was the Gravely Diggers. I think they were quite often referred to, in fact, even in uh, the Lancet Medical Journal, they were an example of a working class Dunning-Kruger effect that they is thinking they is way more capable of things what they is. Right. So they, they weren't from the police. I mean, they, you know, they were always talking the large you know they were organized criminals they you know they were causing all bother they had protection rackets going throughout birmingham and all the rest of it you know if you crossed them they'd come at you you know with a with a motorbike chain and all sorts but but that was all nonsense was it i think i would be feeling more threatened if i was asked to go into a soft play on a saturday in an off term right well that is a revelation so given that the the, the you know the gravely diggers were not, in fact, from a police perspective, you know, known to be criminals or in the criminal element. No, I mean, I, I'm, I, I mean I, I'm going to be, you know, I'm going to be play devil's advocate a little bit here and say, you know, was it just you never caught them or was it just that they were never actually anywhere near any crimes, you know, and it was impossible for them to commit them? The gravely diggers, I think, would struggle to dig a allotment. Right. OK, well, there you go. So no, you know, no, no crime, no history of crime. Uh, they were, t- never, they were never suspect, never really seriously suspected of any crimes because it was obvious to anybody with any understanding of the criminal mind that they did not have, as I believe the parlance still goes, the minerals. Right, I see. Well, there you go. Um, so that didn't happen. From the police investigation, did the bikers actually, did you find any evidence or witnesses or whatever of a gang of bikers chasing this van? There were high witness accounts of a vehicle, if I remember correctly. It has been a long time. Of course, I understand. There, if I remember, there were accounts of the Vehicle itself, a uh, a Thames van, I believe it was. That's exactly right. I've got a good memory. Uh, I suppose you would have been a policeman, like. Have to be in this in my former line of business. It never leaves you. Uh, and there was sightings of a group of gentlemen on motorcycles on the junction at the same time. However, right. not in re- within distance that was reported to us to be making themselves of any nuisance or interference to whoever was driving that vehicle, which, if I remember correctly, as you have stated, was Mr. Newell. Right. So they were on the road, but they were just nowhere near them. It just happened to be a coincidence that they happened to be on their motorbikes at the time of the accident, and that's it. Exactly. And as was told to me many a time uh, before my promotion to 
DPI inspector uh, and hofter, it is not a crime to be on the highway copper. That's very true, yes. I'm sure you've heard that more than once. Um, now, the, the other part of the story gets a bit macabre. So you'll have to bear with me for a moment. Um, one of the other areas that has sort of gone into the criminal underworld, the sort of folklore of Birmingham, if you like, is that the leader of the gang, uh, Mr. Sellers, he claims that that he... When you say uh, Mr. Sellers, do you mean a Mr. Craig Sellers? That's the fellow, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So he claims that once his gang had kind of, you know, rattled on the side of this van and scared the bejesus out of the people inside, that when it crashed, he, he... made his way down to the bottom of Spaghetti Junction, jumped over the fence, went seeing this burning Thames van, and apparently Jack Newell was kind of staggered out, you know, crawled out, badly injured, and according to Craig, he claims, or at least according to folklore, let's say, the claim is that he went at him with his machete that he apparently he carried around all the time and removed the genitals of Jack Newell. Now, was there any evidence that was found supporting that particular argument or, you know, accusation? Now, without clearance, uh, at this uh, particular junction, I cannot give any any details as to what may or may not have been discovered at at the scene of the crime. Right. However, Mr. Sellers was known to the constabulary. Right but not for reasons that he may want to be made as public as this. However, I believe for the sake of the memory of the poor gentleman in the van, it is only behooven to me to do them a service and say that if we in the constabulary wanted to know what was going on, really... One of the first people we would go and ask would be Mr. Craig Sellers, because as soon as we knocked on his door, even without a big red key, he would sing like a canary. Right. So not so much, a, you know, an odd man, a more of a canary when it came to the police then. Because, you know, he claimed that you pulled him in and, you and you know, you gave him a, a beating up and, and what have you. You know, it was the 70s, you know, like, a, like the Sweeney. And... Uh, he wouldn't tell you anything, so you let him go. But but that never happened then. Basically, if you pulled him in for anything, it was, you know, to kind of get get, get some grassing done from, you know, what might have been, you might have heard in his various, you know... I wouldn't go so far as to say that, uh, that Mr. Sellers was, as he's known, a grass. I would say he was more like a field. <laughs> Not okay. Understood. I, I, I would say if we brought him in, I think the worst he could expect was probably a cup of tea and a slightly stale biscuit because we, we, he is telling us everything we is wanting to know. Right. Well, that definitely puts a different perspective on things. Uh, Indeed. Thank you and so much regard, for this. regarding your the insinuated dismemberment of yes. the uh, poor deceased, yes. uh, I don't know if it has become apparent in your investigations but this is a uh something that is predating the uh the case what you is investigating uh, mr sellers was once prosecuted as he was found trespassing going through the 
shall we say, biological waste at a local veterinary's clinic. Right. So if he is claiming he has got someone's todger, Mm. it is highly likely he has got someone's nan's dog's pizzle. Right, I see. Well, there you go. Amazing. Listen, thanks ever so much, uh, DCI Ainsworth. It's fabulous to speak to you, and, and thanks for clearing that up. We'll, um, well, that really does put the cat amongst the pigeons or the the, the, the Craig amongst the pizzles. All right. Um, well, you take care, mate, and uh, next time I see you, I'll point your point. It will be a pint of the black stuff for me then, please, uh, Mr. Mr. Gale, and uh, it has been good to talk to you. If I can be of any further assistance in the case, then uh, you have my number. Definitely. All right, mate, you take it easy. Easy So, where are we at then? Well, we've we've heard from um, Craig Sellers as well, the notorious biker gang leader or is he? Well, um, actually lads, I can I can cast a bit more light on that if you, to bear with me just one second, just want an extra extra recording that I, I might have accidentally done that fits in nicely. Just out of interest, Craig, I'm just, just curious. Do you really keep his, his cock on board in a velvet house for 35 odd years? Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you something. If you, you know, sworn to secrecy. I mean, I'm not recording anymore. It's just, just for curiosity more than anything else. Well, what happened was obviously the thing did go rotten after a while, so I replaced it with a the Cumberland sausage and a couple of dried apricots uh, over the years. Um, but it became pretty expensive, to be honest with you. And, uh, you know, because I used to put a, the Cumberland sausages yeah, in there and yeah, they're pretty big, so it's like half a Cumberland sausage and a couple of dried apricots. Um, but, yeah, my mum got sick of the Cumberland sausages because uh, she preferred the Gibraltar. So, um, yeah, it became a bit expensive, but it was definitely worth it because, you know, the rep... Yeah, people people wouldn't mess with you if you took a man's family jewels. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Fair enough. I mean, he he really isn't. Because then Colin, Di Colin Ainsworth, uh, what you what you chatted to, Clive, turns out he was. What is it? He said he wasn't so much a grass as a field. That's right. So, yes, I think it's uh, safe, safe to say, really, that I think our friend Craig Sellers was not really the odd man he says he was. Sounds and like he's about as odd as Peter Sellers. Yeah, I think he, I think Peter Sellers could probably take him in a punch-up, to be honest. But I think what happened was um, he saw an opportunity and sort of took it, um, if you see what I mean. So... I think that he kind of dined out on that rep in the sort of underworld for many a year. And as it turns out, it sounds like the police didn't really have any interest in quashing that rep because he was so useful to them yeah, for grassing up on all the other criminals that came and said, hey, you know about this, because they thought he was hard man. Yeah, I think, yeah. I mean, 
we, we may have put his life in danger. That's the only thing to think about. But I mean, I'm sure we, you know, I'm well, sure, I'm sure we'll nobody will know. find him. You know, there's, there's only there aren't that. You know, there's plenty of double glazing salesmen in in Toxteth. In, in you know, so he'll be fine. No problem. Yeah, it'd be fine. It's it's all right. It's a common name, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, there's you know, there's probably five or six Craig sellers double glazing, um, you know, places in that area. No doubt yeah, about yeah. it. The, so one the, never the, find the, the one with the the one with the office on the high street. That one. That's the one. Yeah, yeah, yeah not yeah, to be yeah. confused with the other one. Yeah, that's right. No. So yeah, I don't think there's any danger of anybody tracking him down. No, I don't. Think, I'm sure. I'm sure he'd be fine. But it was it was interesting what 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 Di Ainsworth was saying. Um, about that, you know, they like, like you said, like you said, Clyde, they they allowed him to maintain his reputation as his hard man. But I tell you what, if I'd had to, if I'd had to go to that, to to go to that vet that he was caught interfering with the rubbish with, I'd have, I'd I'd have well, been, I would I have been think, responsible for my actions. I don't well, think. No, I think I think he, you know, he dropped that as a as a plausible thing after a bit, and and just like I say, sub subbed them in for a. For a you know Cumberland sausage and, and a couple of kiwi fruit or something, so well, apricots wasn't it? So oh, yeah, I don't yeah. think that was a, that was a long term plan from from yeah from. But yeah, so it looks like a bit of a conspiracy, but um, not quite as bad as we thought. So initially, not, not the one we were looking for. That's no, we one covered something else here, which yeah, is that uh, Craig Sellers, aka Mad Dog Sellers, aka the Nobber, um, he. Nova Sellers. Nova Sellers, yeah. He he actually had nothing to do with the accident. He was just going back to his job as a baker at the, at the co-op. And uh, consequently, and thought, he thought he'd use it as an excuse, it as an excuse you know, to, to, to sound like an odd man. I mean, there is some, you know, some still some curiosities about how, you know, Jack Newell was dismembered, as it were. Uh, it, but you know that's that's still a little bit of a question mark in my mind. But fundamentally, um, could have happened, I suppose, in, in the question crash. marks. You've got two question marks. Yeah. A, what happened to his gentleman? Yes. And B, what happened to the passenger side door? Because that's you know no. Well, there is a C, of course, which is they don't just fall off, do they? No, no. There is a C, of course, which well, is they might what, have done what, on a van from Peter. But what caused the crash in the first place? Because we still haven't really solved that. So we, it wasn't the bikers, all right? They weren't yeah, there. Wasn't the so that wasn't there. They didn't force the accident, as it were. It wasn't the van itself, according to the the, the records. It was a reasonably well-serviced van for the time. So it wasn't the the new construction of the of the Spaghetti Junction because that was you know pretty good nick at that point. So we're still no closer to the truth. So maybe. In our, uh, you know, next episode, uh, we might be able to find out a little bit more. Yeah, we'll have to we have to go even further down this down this rabbit hole, which is winding round more corners than Spaghetti Junction itself. You're not you're not as wrong. The, as the old saying goes, the truth is out there. The truth I mean, is out there. We're going to find it. It is, and so is Gillian Anderson somewhere. Well, probably a long way from you, mate. After that, uh, you know. That injunction that she took out in, you know, well, a few yes. years back. Yeah, I mean, she's a bit young for me, but, you know. Um, a man can dream. A man can dream. Although she, it did ruin, she was ruined for me, mm. I have to admit. I have to admit, she was ruined for me. She played bloody Thatcher. She in did. The, I would imagine that was quite a challenging, um, challenging. <laughs> it, it, was, it was a challenging <laughs> climax, was that? That, that was, that, yeah. 
Yeah, that, yeah. that, that rendered it mm. almost impossible, and I've had plenty of practice. I was going to say, you had to probably put away that copy of uh, GQ or whatever from the 1990s, uh, you know, just, you know, that you've been keeping in preservation. She was like a modern-day Ursula Andrews. Oh, that she was. Anyway, I can't, I can't so ever think that the next, the last two and a half minutes are going to be cut from this episode like you wouldn't believe. Well, I think that's probably fair, but, um, you know, what can you say? Anyway, before we get ourselves into even more trouble... Let's uh, let's let's knock that on the head then, shall we? Let's not so talk we've, about we've, it. Yeah, so we've explored two of the possibilities. Both of those have proved inconclusive as to the demise of the band known as the Black Country Three. Let us hope that in our next episode we will be able to illuminate once and for all what happened to the Black Country Three. Indeed. So join us then, folks. We'll be back with you soon. And, um, yeah, ta-da then. Ta-da.